Hello, everybody, and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here, and I'm joined by Don, as usual. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about our ideas of social utopia. Uh, I know that Don recently went on the firing line, too, to sort of discuss this, something along these lines. Um, so you guys should definitely check that out. But today, we're going to be taking it a little bit maybe more seriously than they did on that podcast. Uh, we're actually going to talk about like what our ideal society might look like. So, uh, yeah, where do we want to start here, Don? Uh, so I guess, yeah, the first thing is, uh, is there a future in Islam? So, like, is, like, okay. 500, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, like, uh, like, five, are we talking about, like, say, 500 years from now, a reasonable potential future that would be positive? Like, it, you know, I remember you saying before about something about how things just keep like there's like distance from the faith that happens kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. like that there's, there's like a degradation of the message to some extent, like the signal and the noise ratio. Yeah. So just to uh, summarize it for people who may not have heard that on previous episodes. Uh, so there's a Hadith that talks about how there will be uh, in the, at the beginning of the faith, there's going to be rightly guided leaders, the caliphs, the Rashidun, and then there will be benevolent kings they'll be kind of returned to kings but they'll be good kings and then it will be it from there i don't remember the exact wording but it kind of goes on to like kind of deteriorate into like tyrants and and like lesser people will become leaders you know so there is there is definitely that sense uh, of not putting your like not investing in political leadership as some kind of like thing that will save you sort of a thing mm-hmm uh, but there's also uh, very much like in Christianity, there's the idea of Jesus coming back and a period of of just like good times, you know, of things being mm -hmm. good. Uh, the Mahdi comes and uh, defeats the Dajjal and that's like when things are at their worst. And so that's like the Antichrist thing. And then uh, Jesus comes back after that. Then it's uh, good times for a period of time and then everything just wraps up and it's the end of time. And yeah. uh, we're all off to the the judgment day. So, you know, there's that. That's kind of like the eschatological thing. Yeah. Um, when I think about utopia, I don't necessarily think about that sort of stuff, I guess. I can see how they're connected, but just like in my mind, that's not kind of where my thinking goes, I guess. So what would you, like, how how do you conceive of utopia? Like, is it is it like the present? somehow fixed or is it like including future technologies or like what's your sort of sci-fi or realistic sort of concept of utopia is it even like the distant past is it like the ideal past that we have to return to or something well, i would say it's really none of those options i, I guess okay. the fir my first like my first like reaction to the idea of like what's my utopia is just to think about well, first, I don't have any specific idea. I don't have like an image of society that I would like to see exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm kind of like adaptable in that sense. So like if when we talk about things like technology and sort of like this progressive teleological thing of like things changing over time, um, you know, that I don't, I don't think that's necessarily just like a straight line forward. I think that yeah. if you're talking about like, the levels of social development and technological development, I think that it may be that that oscillates up and down, you know, 
Like, yeah. uh, not to go all ancient aliens on you or anything, but I, I'm just saying, like, if you look at, like, European history, for example, you go from Rome to the so-called Dark Ages to Renaissance to today, uh, that's not a straight line, you know? So, yeah. Um, when it, when it comes to that, like, I think that any of those options could plausibly fit like the circumstances for what I would be happy with, like in terms of a utopian society. So obviously the, the, the nicest thing would be like this amazing level of technology that's beyond what we have now, uh, where nobody has to work or do anything and everything's kind of just like automated to a degree where things are just sort of like, it's, it's just like free time 100%, you know? Um, but I don't expect that. Like that's, and that, that probably would engender all kinds of weird issues that you can't foresee, you know, like that might cause some kind of problems, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I I guess what really, um, I kind of settle on there is the idea of not having to think about political problems. Like, I I think like you've, you've kind of like solved the problem of society when you don't have to think about it anymore. You know, when, when yeah. you're, when you're in a society, there are, so there are issues, there are conflicts, you know, the whole Marxist thing of like class conflict, uh, the, just the fact that, you know, life just has certain things you have to deal with to just keep it going. Uh, mm-hmm. so we have different ways of dealing with those problems and some of them are better or worse. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you can just take the best of all solutions that people have come up with and put it all together in one thing and, and, and that'll work. So to me, it's kind of like if, if we don't really have to worry about those problems, then that to me is like utopia and whatever that actually means, I'm happy to just accept that. You know, I don't have a specific picture of what that would look like exactly, but, uh, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. And the other thing that sort of comes to mind to me is like, being able to be left alone to do your own thing mm-hmm. where there's not some oppressive force in the form of like a tyrannical government or private organizations, you know, like today the corporation is the obvious example, some kind of military organization or the, the Mongols or something, you know, like yeah. some foreign invaders. Or, or even like uh, natural forces, like if you live in a really extreme environment or something like in the desert or in some kind of like jungle area where there's like disease and animals and stuff, like if you can kind of have those resolved in some way such that you don't really need to think about it on a day-to-day basis, that to me sounds pretty good. And I don't expect that we would ever get to that point, but mm-hmm. if we're if we're kind of dreaming things up, I think that's as far as I'm willing to go, you know? Yeah, I was thinking about that. And then when you were saying that, I was thinking, so would an ideal society not have like a sense of citizenship and participation? Or would it not have sense of like a commitment to labor and stuff? Like, I mean, those are two of the largest sort of values that people have nowadays in different ways, like a lot of people at least. Um, and so do you not think that those would be like, do those just sort of fade in a utopia? They don't really have a relevance or. I would imagine that they would exist in a kind of naturalized way. Like, like the way that we think about, or most people think about things like their family or 
their nationality and maybe to some extent their religion, things like that, where it's just kind of like taken for granted as this is the way we do things. I -hmm. think that, you know, and, and obviously most of the time, most things are thought of that way by a lot of people. But I think yeah. that's that's sort of what I imagine for like a, this kind of th- – these issues to be resolved in a utopian situation to be kind of done in that way where it's just like we have this way of doing things. We have uh, some kind of identity, like, you know, this kind of collective identity that uh, works and yeah. it doesn't need to be any particular thing. It's just what whatever works, I'm happy to kind of go with that. Um, I don't have, uh, you know, you opened this up asking me about Islam. I don't have any particular like religious, uh, th- there's no religious character to, to these sure. ideas for me necessarily. Okay. I yeah. think that Islam provides a lot of, it's, it's a really strong foundation for getting things moving in the right direction. I think is like an ethical framework and, uh, like, you know, and at the collective level, I think that kind of Islam sort of stands out in a lot of ways in that regard, because it does have like the Sharia has like these collective sort of things that are taken pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that would be good. And I think there's a lot of ways that you can kind of see the society that I'm talking about working along the lines of Sharia and all that kind of stuff. So I, you know, I I imagine that that would be the case, right? Like if, if, sure. If, if things are going the way I, th- I am thinking about them, then I imagine that's how it would work out. But it th- doesn't need to be for me to kind of be happy with it. Like if, if things are just sort of that you can just wake up and have like a, a very peaceful, decent, relatively easy life and uh, everyone else is the same way. You know, it's not just you, but like everyone is, is kind of going that way. Then that's, I don't know, that sounds utopian to me. Mm hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a, a good start at least. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, how about you? What what do you where do your thoughts go? Um, I was thinking that one of the first things is that well, I mean, the the economics part I think I, I agree mostly, like, you know, like I think that like well, for me, money would disappear probably and stuff like that. Like I just think that like a lot of like basic production and a lot of like distribution would just be done basically algorithmically. Like it wouldn't even really be what you focused on. And I think that in a lot of other cases, it would be by rationing in a way that was just so part of your personal experience, uh, like life cycle kind of stuff, that it wouldn't be experienced as shortage. Like it would be stuff like, it'd be stuff like, oh, I want to go to the cottage next week. And like you go, allocate yourself one of the cottages or something and you just go off and do that for the weekend or whatever you know and um it would be something like that and then i think a lot of it would be like bounded by shame and stuff or like bounded by just basic human expectations kind of thing like there wouldn't be like a charge for any food but there would be such an expectation of like health and well-being and stuff that it would just be you know it wouldn't be that people just gorge themselves all day or whatever kind of thing um yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, I, I think of a lot of it as like the technology. This is actually, part of this is kind of inspired by some of the role-playing game stuff I used to read when I was like a teenager and stuff about time mm-hmm. travel and all that kind of stuff. Because one of the things that I was thinking is that like, uh, I think that like a lot of the technology will fall into the background and uh, it will be very, very rare, I think, for people like say 500 years in the future to use screens or to read. Or to be like, 
visual in that kind of way where they're passive and then accepting the information. I think almost all of it will be storytelling between people in like real life, basically, you know, Hmm. um, and, uh, or like something like that, like some, some sense that they're in the room, like, you know, like, uh, because, uh, and I think that it'll be very, very like vulgar or tacky or something to be like, no one would want to just be sitting around a computer all day or something. I think, I think that like that would just not be, uh, but at the same time, they would be surrounded constantly by, uh, technology in the sense of not, not necessarily humanoid. That's like a big thing now kind of, or like moving towards that kind of stuff, but like just stuff like, uh, cleanup or something like all the cleanup would just be done without people even thinking about it. They would just have these things come out and while you're away for the day or whatever, it would just all clean up your house and stuff. I think that kind of thing, like it just comes out of the woodworks kind of thing, almost as if it's its own second nature, kind of like second experience. I think that's kind of part of the, the, cause I keep thinking of this idea of like your, your basic, like the needs of like the economy at like a macro level being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, planned, but then the human experience is what the, all the focus is on. So people still have jobs and everything like that, um, to some extent and like formal roles in society, but they're all things like you're a teacher or a nurse or something like all things where you're relating to other people. Um, sure. Yeah. That, and, uh, yeah, I'm liking a lot of these ideas. I think I agree <laughs> with a lot of this. I, yeah. I, I do think that you are, I don't know, the, the storytelling and the lack of screens is making me think Kanye West and the whole hologram thing is, <laughs> he's always, you know, 30 years in the future. Sure. No, no, no. But I do think that is one of the things where you, whenever you're doing this kind of sci-fi stuff or whatever, you know, like you, it really is obviously just, uh, you're looking at trends in existing society, I think, but it's not, it, it's not like, uh, well, like things that you don't like about your own life even, I think is part of it, right? Like you might be like, Maybe I shouldn't be <laughs> sitting in front of screens all day or something. Sure. Um, I should be. And uh, I think that, yeah, I think that there'll be a lot more uh, integration of, like, not necessarily wildlife, but, like, nature in how people live and stuff. Yeah. Um, because they can kind of completely, they can set the boundaries easier because they know they'll be okay. They'll be safer because of all the environmental control, whatever they can do. So, uh, I think that people will privilege stuff like, you know, doing stuff like, uh, okay, class today, we're going out into the forest or something like that kind of stuff, doing a lot, that a lot more of that kind of thing than like sitting, reading books or whatever, because especially you got to think that like the kind of work that those people will be doing when they grow up will be care work for other people and stuff. It'll be like learning social skills and stuff and not necessarily you know, like mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the computer stuff will be like after a hundred years of debugging a robot or whatever, like how many more debugger people do you need to, you know, like, uh, I think that like at a certain point, the technology sort of plateaus for the particular things. And, uh, it's not like, you know, the idea that everyone would have to be some sort of technician in the future, I think is the opposite. I think that like it will become a small part of the society that has to do that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. A lot of the, I, I agree with almost everything you said, or basically I have, I have agreed with everything <laughs> you said. Um, yeah. and I think it's sort of, I, I hope you can kind of see how that fits into some of the things I was saying. Cause I, I feel like 
you're elaborating on the principles that I mentioned in a way that like, yeah, that's kind of what I meant by it. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, one thing that sort of comes to mind for me is, is the idea that there's no longer this kind of, there's no more perverse motivations or incentives to kind of continue in a way that is like inhuman in a certain sense. Like, yeah. Like, you know, people talk a lot about like growth and capitalism and how it needs to constantly grow. And it's like going beyond the limits of growth, you know, like that David Harvey book. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I'm, I'm thinking about like, you're talking about like this kind of integrated, like naturalized thing where it's like people just figured out a level of technology that makes life good. It makes life good enough, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that people are then able to get on with just the actual good life, you know, and there's not this kind of like obsession with like, oh, we can do better with this top technology. We can even amp this up more. Uh, and the idea that, yeah, that everyone would be a technician kind of implies that there's a need for all these technicians and that there's problems mm -hmm. that need to be solved. And so, yeah, I think like an ideal society is one where the real purpose of everyone is kind of just to live, live their life out and, and do what they find meaningful. And I think you're right in, in kind of pointing in the direction of, you know, engaging with other people. I think another thing would be, in, you know, you're talking about care work for others. I think it would also be like kind of like a similar thing with like the environment and animals, stuff like yeah. that. Like people yeah. would be uh, engaged more with just sort of like a maintaining the health of the environment and, and kind of, you know, they would just have some role. And, you know, I think many people find that really fulfilling and that seems like a nice way to spend your time and to kind of gain expertise in. Because one of the things about like different utopian visions is like, you can think of it like uh, like that Wally kind of thing where everyone's like, just like this fat kind of sitting in a yeah. chair, like, you know, staring at screens and stuff. And that appeals to some, some sense of like what a perfect society would be like where, Oh, I don't want to have to do anything. It's like the lazy man's utopia. Right. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think that a, a more perfect version of that would be that you don't feel a need to be lazy. Like I think laziness yeah, is kind of sure. like a, a response to uh, like a perverse condition around labor and work. And so that work would be more something that's fulfilling in itself and stuff. And, uh, yeah, all this stuff kind of, it sounds a lot like, like the old Marx, you know, like the kind of classic Marxist sort of thing before you get into like Marxism and the whole, that whole thing, but like the philosophical Marx, you know, where he's talking about like people would be able to do this thing in the morning and this thing in the afternoon and this other thing in the evening, they wouldn't be stuck in a certain role and all that kind of stuff. I don't, you know, that particular example, I, I don't know if that's strictly necessary. I think it's not necessarily a bad thing if you have a defined role, but just the idea of like kind of thinking about what it would be, what it would mean to be freed from certain kind of like working conditions and stuff, you know? So, yeah. And I think that, uh, that sort of well-roundedness that he and like the educative theory kind of it's it's just very standard liberal education theory. I think a lot of that really yeah, that Marx yeah, sort of taps sure. into. Uh, that's what Chomsky talks a lot about in that talk that I always bring up. That government in the future. He uh, he has like a long section about like education theory and how early liberals had this very idea that like you know because they were looking at it and going okay well if you're spending 12 hours a day or more in a factory 
and all you're doing is one move with your arm every time, you know? Yeah. Uh, they're like, what kind of life is that? And you got to think that like, it looked like, you know, 70, 80% of society would either be doing that or caring for the people that were doing that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, at that point you're like, well, of course, like, I mean, just, it's just straightforward to me that like something had to change there kind of thing. And, uh, um, I think that if you look at it as like this sort of society of care or something like this sort of finding ways of like, uh, relating to other people and stuff, doesn't necessarily have to be the, like Marx sort of uses that example that I think is kind of ironic. Like, like I think he's just joking really in some sense of like fishing in the morning or, you know, hunting in the afternoon and, and, uh, critiquing a play at night or whatever, kind of that kind of thing. And, uh, but I think that you can kind of get the sense of that with like, okay, well, uh, if I'm going to be a teacher, what kind of skills and relationships do I want to build in the future kind of thing, right? Like what kind of, you know, it's not necessarily the fact that you would have to have like 10 jobs, although that might be part of it. It could be like, what kind of things do I want to do? Uh, uh, what kind of parts of my personality do I want to develop more, you know, in terms of being like a better listener or a better whatever. And I think that a lot of people already have that in their life and, but it's hard to kind of get that across. Um, you know, when you have this, uh, very, very bureaucratic and structured society where, uh, it's, it's set up to, it's very, very, it feels like inefficient in a lot of ways, I guess, kind of thing. Like, you know, you're teaching to a test or you're, or you're, uh, you have very specific expectations because of the parents. And, you know, it's not like that. It's not like a loose thing where, you know, we only have like a few hundred years of the sort of science and, or maybe even less than a hundred in some sense of the science end of like child psychology kind of stuff, you know, like in this kind of formal way. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, uh, in the future you could have almost all of that, like hundreds of years of like curriculum work kind of thing so that people would sort of, uh, I feel like it would move back towards that sort of maybe Greek slash Latin kind of model of uh, like an actual curriculum that people just sort of standard kind of go through. But because of that, it would be so loose and back and forth and stuff that um, it would not necessarily wouldn't feel repressive and it wouldn't feel like closed in because it wouldn't be associated with class society or something. So, yeah. 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 It would be liberating. You know, it would, it yeah. would, it would enhance your ability to live instead of locking you into something, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, uh, so where do you see things like, like social difference kind of coming into play into, you know, when we talk about utopia, like, is it necessarily true that people will have to kind of be more similar in certain ways than, uh, than they might be otherwise? Cause I think, you know, we, we've been talking about some left-wing ideas of utopia. If you go to the far right, they kind of have this idea that, you know, the, a lot of the problems are multiculturalism. You have different, you know, people from different cultural backgrounds and things like that, and that causes problems. And that To have a true utopia, you would have to have everyone kind of united in some kind of racial bond and all that kind of goofy stuff. Or, um, you know, like a theocratic sort of utopia where everyone is is united by their religious belief and and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that 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 there's any sort of dimension for that kind of thing? Like, what what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I always try to figure out like 
you know, I try to think through if like war would still exist or something, you know, even like, or like national rivalry. It didn't necessarily have to be conflict. I mean, in utopia, obviously, just maybe, well, okay, maybe I shouldn't jump to that conclusion, but I was going to say that war wouldn't exist, obviously, but that's not obvious because you might, <laughs> their utopia might be constant war or something, I guess, but like, uh, um, <laughs> you know, like Klingon or whatever. I don't know. But like, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. See, it's hard because my idea of like war is so like 20th century giant economic conflict kind of stuff that it's hard to know like giant political economy clashing of continents kind of stuff that like uh, it's hard to know what like actual conflict would look like or, you know, would it be displaced to things like cultural criticism and like, you know, certain ways of living that we might consider kind of like trite problems now or small problems, but like become <laughs> people having wars more, over their yeah. favorite star Wars <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But like, a, I don't know, but it could, it could displace back to religion or something or like to other things that like, uh, don't necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be national rivalry in the sense of like territory or something. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for, for my part, when I think about that, I, I like, I would hope that war if if there is things like conflicts of that level that they would not be resolved in like horrendous violence and stuff like that like in uh in a lot of pre-modern conflicts you would have things resolved in in ways that seem very strange to us today like sure. you would have people kind of like one-on-one -on -one duel you know between the two champions of each tribe or whatever yeah. or I, I know like um, the old Arabs, they used to have essentially like rap battles, like they would have like these poetry yeah, yeah. kind of things and like whoever kind of like impressed people the most with their poems would win that fight because they just didn't want to fight. Uh, yeah. I, I actually, I remember reading about, uh, this was during the early Muslim, you know, the, like with the Sahaba and everything, there was one battle they were supposed to fight and then it was like too hot. So they just agreed not to fight that day mm -hmm. and they fought the next day and yeah. That kind of stuff, it just seems like so civilized in a sense. It's like, sure, okay, we yeah. have a problem. Let's figure out a way to do this that doesn't involve like wanton destruction and mayhem and stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would hope that uh, conflict would, there would be some way of resolving conflict that was civilized in that sense. You know, I think yeah. war is a pretty barbaric thing that you just have to even resort to it. And uh, kind of along those lines, you know, you were talking about things like um, like uh, shame and stuff like that sort of helping to order society around things like, you know, I presume like crime is sort of what you were thinking about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So like the need for things like the police and prisons and stuff, I, I would imagine like ideally that would all kind of be gone to a yeah. large extent. Like maybe, 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 maybe have some sort of last resort sort of a thing. But maybe that could just be like a form of banishment or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and that you really just have, like, maybe you have laws, but they're not really constantly needing to be implemented and tried and all that kind of stuff. And instead, you just have a culture that engenders people to act right, you know, and they just kind of, because there's a lack of motivation to commit crimes and stuff like that in general. Like, for example, if you don't have poverty, you're going to have a lot less crimes of poverty, like petty theft and muggings and, you know, um, mental illness. Ideally, it would be 
uh, much improved or rather mental health would be much improved. So people wouldn't be, you know, just acting crazy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that, you, you know, I, I think that whether or not it can be totally dealt with that way, I don't know, but I think that we are far away from it currently, like in reality from getting anywhere close to like a ideal situation that where things are dealt that way, dealt with that way. So maybe we can get there and maybe things will just kind of be okay. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I was thinking about, but I also like uh, uh, just going back to the social difference stuff. I would hope that people would be able to, I really like when there's a lot of different kinds of people around, you know, people from, from different places with different cultures, different languages, uh, different religions, different ways of thinking about things. It doesn't even have to be like just individually different. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't like it when everyone is kind of all on the same page. I think that, uh, that could be just because of, uh, conditions that I'm living in now, maybe in an ideal situation that would seem like crazy and to want people to be different or whatever. But, yeah. uh, you know, since I'm kind of getting to dream this up, I'll just kind of go with how I want it to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I, I would hope for all kinds of different people and that it would all sort of be, you know, harmonious in some sense. Like there'd just be some basic rules that everyone could agree to, like to not, you know, don't murder each other and all that kind of stuff. And that everything else is just people kind of doing their thing and respecting each other and leaving each other alone, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, What do you think about, like, uh, you know, we're kind of talking about it in terms of a lot of problems being resolved. Do you think, like, there is sort of that kind of alternative uh, romantic kind of view, which obviously culminated in a lot of ways into terrible things in the 20th century, but... Uh, it's still, it has some sort of appeal to me is this idea that like, it's better to be born into a time of problems so that there's problems to solve so that it's better to be surrounded by say all these different crises, uh, so that you can like, you know, I mean, in the sort of classic way, it's like, you know, great men rise to the time kind of stuff, you know, like that you, it's better to have it, you know, like, uh, people don't tend to write a lot of stories about periods in time where people just were sitting around doing nothing. It tends to be, you know, quests that people have or something. So is there something to be said about, uh, you know, would, would sort of humanity even as a whole have to kind of set for itself new broad goals or something like the easy one that all sci-fi stuff tends to point to is like space travel or something, or like, you know, like colonizing the moon or something or, you know, stuff like that. Do you think, do you care about that kind of stuff at all or no? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think there's some appeal for that. The way I think about it is, I guess this does, like I was saying earlier, that I don't think my thinking on this has a really strongly like religious or Islamic character. But in this particular thing, it actually is very much. Uh, I think that when things are good, it's when you're sort of, you have accepted what God has given you, the, the time and place that you're born into, God has kind of, you know, he's put you in that time and place as a particular individual, right? Like he created you for the moment in time that you live in. So, and I also think, I mean, this is a personal belief. This doesn't come from any Islamic source that I know of or anything. So this is not some kind of orthodox thing or anything like that, but it's just my own personal belief is that God creates us such that we're the best version of ourselves that we could possibly be. So, some people he creates them 
and they're really wealthy and they get all the breaks and they're really lucky and everything kind of goes their way. Uh, but maybe they're kind of crummy people, you know, maybe they're just, a lot of times that's the case, right? Like there's plenty of people who just seem to have every privilege in the world and they're just like assholes. And then there's Mm -hmm. other people who are really decent, really good people. They're always helping other people out, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and things are just really bad for them. They're really poor and bad things, you know, just tragic things happen to them that it's hard to understand why. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, and then a lot of people are just kind of middle of the road, right? Some things are going okay. Uh, and they have some flaws, but they're like at base, they're like a decent person. I, I think that in all these cases, you have like the best case example of that, that soul or that, you know, that person. So like if, if, uh, we take you or I, and we change that a little bit, like we either kind of make us more impoverished or more wealthy or more powerful or move us around in, in a timeline. Like we go back 200 years or forward 200 years or whatever. I think that we end up with a worse version of ourselves because I think God would, he would, he would just give us the best chance to, to be the best person we could be kind of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it, when you apply that to like a, a social utopia, you want the society to be, happy with its time and place, you know? So it needs to kind of accept certain limits. It's, I, I, I don't really like the whole sci-fi angle where we've taken care of all the problems that define the human condition as we understand it. And then we just go on to other things. I, I, I don't think that's like a, a proper utopian vision. I don't like mind it as a kind of like entertainment genre and you know, thought experiment, all that kind of stuff. But if we're looking at that as like an ideal society, I I really don't agree with that kind of principle. I think that you want to have like you, you, you have a community that is, uh, maybe you're not the the richest, maybe, um, it's not that there's no problems, but you are just like satisfied living out that life, you know? And, uh, so, you know, in a way this kind of comes to like, how do you kind of live in a utopian way in your own life kind of a thing. And it's just kind of, you know, I guess that's a separate issue, but the, the basic idea that I'm getting at here is that like utopia is sort of a, um, there are some basic material definitions about it that I would have, but ultimately it's more like a mentality of like, of, or a, even like, if you want to say like a belief system of like you accept your, lot in life in a certain sense. Right. And, and you kind of are making it work and you're, you're doing, uh, you're doing good, you know, you're, you're doing good by other people. You're doing good by yourself, you, you know, all that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. So do you think, uh, just to clarify on one thing, do you think that, uh, there's like genuine progress in happiness that can be made that sort of defines utopia where, uh, the people will be actually happier than they would have been in other situations or something like that? Or is it just, uh, like, I, I'm trying to get at the, like, the question about, like, the debate between, theoretical debate, you know, between Freud and Marx or something, where Marx really has this uh, idea, it's, like, very oceanic feeling, it's very much, like, uh, you know, in the classical way, like, erotic or something, where it's, like, we're gonna solve all the problems, and then we're gonna build a new humanity kind of thing. And uh, with Freud, it, you know, the view of humanity tends to be much more like uh, people are people. They have these certain basic drives, like just sexual or work or whatever. 
drives and uh, you're not going to be able to, like any situation that you put them in, they're going to be pretty much as miserable as and uh, mean to each other and everything as uh, they will be in any other situation. So, and I tend to, I tend to lean towards the Freud view on that. Like that's my kind of view is that like people, uh, you know, it's not necessarily the fact that they're going to be happier in the future. It'd just be a different way of relating or something. I don't know. I I would tend towards the Freudian view, but I would very uh, I would be very uncomfortable kind of just being like, yeah, I'm a Freudian in that yeah, in yeah, this sure, regard. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if if you wanted to kind of put a label on it, I would say like a Freudian optimist or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I I don't really uh, I don't agree with a lot of those things that Mark, um, that Freud says about sure people like um but i do agree with that basic principle of like you can't you can't just like move the pieces around and and then all of these what i consider to be kind of like inherent parts of humanity are over with i think you there's definitely a lot of room to to move forward and to improve things on that kind of materialist marxist sort of side of things but i think there's uh at least as much improvement that needs to be made on the like we can call it like internal or psychological or spiritual or, or whatever like the cultural side as well uh, i i think that you you want to achieve utopia in both or you need to achieve it in in both senses in order to have like a true utopia you know sure and yeah. again i don't i don't think that uh we're ever necessarily going to get to that point so uh not trying to get there necessarily i'm just trying to do my thing but sure um, yeah, if we're, if we're imagining these things, I, I think you would have to resolve both sides of that coin. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there's any lessons in that kind of stuff that we were talking about for, uh, how we should live our lives now? Or like, you know, is there some sort of thing about like utopia that we should, is it just like a nice thing to think about or does it actually like inform what you're trying to do day to day or whatever? Well, I mean, it. Yeah, I think there are lessons, uh, but what those lessons are, it really depends. I think if you're someone who, like, if you if you're someone who thinks that um, all my problems are because of X Y Z situation that I live in, I think that it's probably the case that if those conditions were dealt with, you would still have a lot of those problems, and it wouldn't necessarily just be kind of like hangover from that. It would be like. There's a whole other dimension to this that it isn't just the situation itself. And you you can do a lot to kind of uh, improve your day-to-day life by just adjusting your attitude about things a little bit. It doesn't, you know, it's not necessarily the same thing as giving up on fighting certain fights or something, you know, but there's also like something to be said about like, uh, you know, that, that life is, is whatever it is and you got to make the most of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there's a a big element in utopian thinking that sort of doesn't want to do that second part. And to me, that's just as big a part of creating utopia as the first part. It's not just that, oh, if if we change the whole world to fit my idea of like a perfect situation, then I, I don't have to do any of that kind of like internal work and and all that kind of stuff. I don't have to like, then everything would just make me so happy that I would, everything would be fine. Sure. Or or maybe some people kind of assume that they're already at that place, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and I, I just don't think that's true. And it's, it's just something that why not work on both sides of that? You know? Sure. Um, I'm reading a book right now, um, that, uh, Bruv, uh, our friend online, um, suggested that I read about like the Italian labor movement at the turn of the 19th century or 20th century. And the interesting thing about it, it's all about like the Catholic theology of the time and stuff and how there's this sort of, you know, a lot of the leading theologians, uh, were, uh, very, very conservative in a lot of ways on what they were thinking. And it's funny because a lot of what they're talking about is the ideal society and like, you know, is it's funny because they have this way of trying to impose, you know, the, one of the ideas of utopia is always like, tends to be like social peace is this Mm -hmm. idea of like, uh, the way that, uh, conservatives kind of focus on politics a lot of the time is, uh, building social peace in the now and the idea that like somehow labor movements and stuff are disturbing that peace and that otherwise you'd have this harmony between uh, workers and employers and stuff. So one of the big debates that there was was something called the mixed union. And uh, this idea was like, say there was like the um, railroad sector or something like that, like transport, whatever. Um, the person that owned the railroad and all the managers and all the employers would be part of the same union. And uh, it was this idea of like a corporate kind of union ba- based sort of on the idea of like a mediv- medieval guild. And it was this idea that you shouldn't have class conflict. It should be like people figuring out the ways of working together kind of thing. And it's kind of funny that uh, I was reading this because I had, I realized that a lot of like the ideas that I had about uh, sort of like economic policy for the midterm uh, where really a lot of them were sort of like conservative ideas that, uh, I had rebranded in different ways in my uh, thinking. Uh, and I realized the shortcomings of them pretty quickly after that. Like I had always kind of focused on this idea of like sector by sector councils and stuff, trying to figure out ways of like consolidating and coordinating within the sector. Um, cause that's very popular as like a thing in like Europe as a way of moving forward. And I realized that like a lot of that was would in practice end up being like a mixed union kind of thing where it's like, you know, the corporate sort of organization. And obviously the to- the, the final outcome of that sort of conservative thinking was uh, like fascism, obviously, where right, yeah. they created these national fronts of labor and production and stuff. I do want to say, though, just quickly yeah. on on that note, though, I don't think we should be shy about that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a sure. bad outcome. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's a tendency sometimes of, oh, well, that led to fascism. Therefore, it is also like fascist and it's no, genocidal. No, no. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I sure. think we want to just be a little bit careful. I'm not saying you're doing that, but no, just yeah. saying. But the, the main thing around it was, it's, it's this uh, sort of debates that they would have around, uh, it was things like, uh, you know, to be a good Christian or, uh, like was, was it sufficient to, like say a uh, give a share of your wealth to charity or should you be giving all of it or should you even you know should you even be trying to maintain your position in class society or something like say you own a plot big plot of land or something right like you're a landholder and you have certain you know even after all of the revolutions and stuff you have some sort of ties to your people kind of thing because they're like working your land or whatever and you have all these different weird, strange kind of relationships and you might have relationships with like politics in different ways you know um is it you know 
is continuing your situation in society consistent with being the best Christian that you can be kind of thing. And it's interesting because the impulse of a lot of the the like uh, uh, theologians was to basically pretend that society was utopian already except for troublemakers. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. That's and, that's uh, the issue yeah. I have with it too, yeah. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the time, uh, or it was very close to it, and the problem was greedy capitalists and greedy uh, troublemaking workers and stuff. So um, they would still blame people and say, no, 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 you have to, they would say like you have this surplus on top of your, you know, of your wealth. And uh, there was never the same kind of thing as in Islam where there's sort of like, you know, the fixed rates and things that, that, or at least like, you know, a sense of them, you know, it doesn't need to be like a hundred percent fixed in the sense that like, you know, there's still wiggle room or different debates around that. I'm not saying that like it's hundred percent clear, but like it's much clearer than uh, 19th century uh, Catholicism was kind of thing, right? Like where it had this uh, very, very confused thing where you had this new type of class of people who had money and it wasn't just like land ownership in this very, very, you know, uh, contested, but still, you know, like feudal arrangement or something. It was much more this idea of, you know, people being able to make money uh, as factory owners and merchants and things like that, you know. Um, so anyways, I just think that's interesting because it's, uh, when you're reading through these things, it's, it's really a way of, uh, thinking through utopia because a lot of it is, it's, uh, you know, what would be, what is even compatible with the good life? Cause the very strange thing with a lot of this kind of stuff in the sort of Catholic debates around it is that, uh, the debates around it are always about being called to sainthood. It's always about being the best exemplar of the model kind of thing like you're supposed to be you know i mean you know it's going the extra mile it's literally going literally going the extra mile that's like supposed to be the christian christian thing right so Mm. it's uh once that's kind of transformed into a social peace kind of thing of well you shouldn't be striving and you know grabbing for wealth and stuff so that applies to workers as much as rich people it's like well okay but those are not compatible, you know, and the, I mean, you know, it's, it's like more kind of, anyway, so it's just an interesting debate I find. So, yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just trying to think if I have anything more to add. I'm not, I'm not sure that I do. Um, I, I guess I will say one, one text that I've read that gets about as close to the utopian thinking that sort of matches mine. It's a very, it's a, it's a weird one to kind of shout out, but it's Syed Qutub's Milestones. Do you know Do you know what's funny? I was going to mention that as a joke. I was going to say, was it Syed Qutub's Milestones? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 So, but it's true. Okay. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Uh, it, it's really weird. Like, I, I don't approve of his, you know, his activities with the Muslim Brotherhood and all that kind of, you know, obviously his political activity leaves much to be desired. Sure. And I would kind of put him on the other side of things. Like, I think he made things worse. Yeah. But he's, his writings are really interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the milestones in particular, it's almost like an anarchist reading of Islam where you, you sort of buck human 
ownership of, of a lot of things and you instead kind of give it over to God and you accept God's ownership of things like land and his uh, ability to like, you know, his law giving and all that kind of stuff. And everyone is supposed to accept that and live in harmony because of it and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I'm simplifying it a lot. So that sounds like an easy thing to sort of, uh, refute and whatever. But I, I think that, that book is really an interesting, uh, read. And yeah, I would, I would basically say like that, that's sort of, uh, the closest that I think of that I've found that kind of comes to the way that I would think about like an ideal society being where people, it kind of gets at what I've been saying this whole time about like material problems are resolved in a way that is material. Like it's not kind of resorting to that, like the thing you're talking about with the kind of conservative idea of like social peace and the, it, it would be fine if you guys would just stop complaining sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like the material problems are resolved in a way that is satisfying and, and maybe not in some kind of like dreamlike, like, Oh, no one ever has to work or there's no problems ever, but it's, it's like, it's, it's enough such that people should be able to live decently and not kind of have like these really uh, extreme issues. And, um, and at the same time, like there's a lot more focus on like, what's my purpose in life? I should work on that, you know? So I think in that regard that, uh, Kutub and I are on the same page, but again, I will say I'm not I'm not advocating or yeah, yeah. agreeing with any of the <laughs> terroristic stuff. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like I'm still. I don't know. I just feel like I'm still learning about this kind of stuff. I'm not sure what the, um, like book equivalent kind of thing from you would be. I'm not sure, but uh, I mean, even you know, maybe something like the Chomsky stuff that I said earlier kind of thing where it's like, that's the kind of, what I end up kind of falling back to at least as like the framework of free people finding ways of coordinating through planning and stuff, but, uh, not in a way that's oppressive or something. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, we need to synthesize the two. (laughs) Chomsky and utopia. Sure. Um, yeah, cool. Well, I thought that was a good chat about, uh, Utopia. Um, do you want to uh, get into questions or? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I hope that kind of result. You know, sometimes we get like we discussed on the I think it was last week's episode. Someone was saying we always say about how you shouldn't you shouldn't work on problems, your cops, and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes we do tend to kind of go down the route of like everyone trying to make things better is a dummy and it's all a scam yeah, yeah, and that yeah. kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I just feel like we it was a I wanted to put our cards on the table and kind of show people like, this is how we actually kind of think about the sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, and, uh, yeah. And especially, uh, you know, a, a Trump's second term is going to be difficult for a lot of people and uh, <laughs> we're going to be enjoying. Yeah. You know, know, you know how I was saying, I, I guess I said this on a Patreon episode, but I was saying like my gut feeling is that, Trump's gonna win, and I was yeah, that was fairly confident. Uh, I'm kind of feeling like that's turning. Like I, I, I'm not feeling that so much anymore. I'm not oh, yeah. sure. I'm I'm really not sure. I'm I've kind of been going back and forth on it. Like earlier today, I was kind of feeling like, huh, you know the. It, it's so weird. I feel like some kind of weird, like mystic, like I just like smell the wind and like I can tell sure. what, what's yeah. going to happen or whatever. Uh, but it's just fun to kind of like 
take that a little bit seriously in the sense of like just trying to pay attention to it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was kind of getting the sense of like, you know what, it maybe it is really going to be this whole Biden thing, but not yeah. not not completely convinced of that. But I'm definitely not convinced yeah. that it's a, a Trump win anymore. So I don't know. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I know mean, it sounds it is, like I'm hedging yeah. my bets here, but I'm just saying. No, no, no. Well, I mean, there's no we're not really making bets because, uh, you know, what I mean, it's just uh, it's just fun talk. But like. Uh, sure, sure. Um, uh, yeah, but it is going to be funny and weird because. Uh, you know, Tuesday night, it's going to be Trump declaring victory. So whatever happens after that's going to be. Funny. Yeah, so, right. I think yeah, I think so. that's what it's going to happen. Like with all the write ins and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. All the Trump people are going to go vote normally, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And all the all the write ins. I think it's going to be a pretty strong bump on Biden's side. So, yeah, it's going to be Trump declaring victory. And then there's going to be a bunch of squabbling over like how to proceed I know it'll sure. be interesting, though. You know, who knows? Maybe it's a MAGA 2020. We'll see. Um, okay, yeah. So let's get into questions here. Uh, all right. This one seems like a good one to kick us off here. Do you guys have a favorite Star Trek series? I know you did that Star Trek podcast a while back, Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Androids and Assets, yeah. Um, so... I, uh, I, I watched the only one I watched all of was probably, uh, the next generation and then most of probably Voyager and then a few seasons of, uh, Deep Space Nine. I haven't seen most of the rest of them at all. Like only a few of the episodes of the original series, I've seen all the movies. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think the next generation, like Picard is, the captain in my mind like he's the guy that i don't know yeah solves all the problems yeah and uh i don't know i don't i don't really watch much of it now but uh i haven't watched really the new series at all like picard or the discovery but uh i like i religiously watch all of the red letter media reviews and stuff they do like a lot of like uh you know top 10 favorite episodes and stuff i'll watch all of those and really enjoy them but I don't have the patience to like sit through like a, a full season of it or whatever, like of the actual show. So I actually watched all of the reviews of the Picard ones they did, which they did like probably about like five hours of reviews wow. of, of like the first season of Picard and, uh, um, the new one. And, uh, so I'm watching that in like, you know, almost like taking notes, like, you know what I mean? Like just very, very attentively watching it, but then I've never watched the show. So it's kind of funny that way, but like, uh, I don't know, but uh, I don't like the universe as much as Star Wars. I like the Star Wars universe more, but like, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I'm not a big, I would, I'm not, definitely <laughs> yeah. not a big Star Trek fan or a Star Wars fan or anything. Uh, my, in terms of what I've seen, it's pretty similar to yours, although I think I've probably seen an equal number of Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, maybe just as much Voyager, but that wasn't as memorable to me. Yeah. So, so you know, maybe I've seen just as many Voyager episodes, but they just don't stick in my mind as well. I'd say I probably enjoyed Next Generation the most. I kind of liked the little, like how they were, each episode was sort of like this kind of philosophical dilemma or, or something like that, you know, like a little fable. Sure. I really enjoyed that. Deep Space Nine was, I mean, it, this sounds makes it sound kind of bad, but it was a little bit more like a gritty realist kind of a thing. I, I enjoyed. Sure. I actually 
like that about it though like i think the whole this the fact that it takes place on like a space station is also kind of interesting i was never really taken with the whole like ship adventuring out in in the hinterlands kind of a thing i kind of like the idea of like this space station that's like a hub where all these people from different you know different uh races or what are they called alien races i guess yeah where they come species yeah whatever it is you know and there's all this uh intersections of these different political factions and uh all the intrigue and stuff that plays out so i definitely do and you know i i i like deep space nine as well but if i had to pick one i would i guess go with next generation also just because it has like q and data and geordie and all these kind of fun characters yeah um and you have you have you seen any of the new stuff or no not at all nope yeah not oh, at all. CBS series, whatever the new ones. Yeah, no. Um, what are the movies? Have you seen any of the newer movies, like the reboots um, and all that? I I saw the one where uh, they kind of like go back in time, and it's got like Kirk and okay, okay, whatever that one was called. And I think I saw the one after that, but pretty quickly forgot it. So, so you haven't seen. You haven't seen the Chris Pine ones, like the last few years. Oh wait, no, no, I did see that. Yeah, I saw the okay. first of the like that reboot, right? Yeah, like yeah. the modern reboots. Yeah, it was uh, didn't feel like Star Trek to me. Yeah, it felt more like these superhero movies. Yeah, it pretty much is. But uh, I don't know; they're fine for what they are. I don't know. I, I you know, I, I always try to think now. Uh, I say it sometimes. People get mad at me when I say this, but like, uh, like gas station attendant kind of stuff. Like, I, I always think to myself, like. If I were 19 and working as a gas station attendant, would I like the movie, a lot of these ones? (laughs) And uh, because it's like people have this idea that like, uh, I don't know, sometimes I'm fine with like criticizing movies and stuff. We've done it quite a lot on this show too before, but like uh, at a certain level, you kind of have to go like, you know, are they aiming at me at all? Like, is it, is it, is it actually me? I mean, to some extent they are a hundred percent, a lot of them, because it's like uh, I'm in that age range of like you know, 18 to 45 or something like uh, male who uh, is going to watch any Star Trek or Star Wars thing or whatever, you know, like, yeah, like if, if I don't like it, it's like, yeah, okay, well, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's like, it doesn't, sometimes people have this idea that they have like a right to be catered to, to the nth degree right. or something. So you have to take it on its own terms for what it is. Right. Yeah. Like, so it's kind of your fault. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you yeah. go into it expecting something, other than what it is, well, yeah, so they're, they're not hiding it, you know. Yeah, I just watched the first episode of the second season of that Mandalorian show, and uh, with uh, Baby Yoda and whatnot. And um, uh, the first episode was had the guy Timothy Oliphant from uh, Deadwood, um, mm-hmm. the Seth Bullock character in Deadwood, playing a marshal in a town uh, for you know the first episode where. Uh, he basically, you know what I mean? It's like very, very leaning on his character in Deadwood in the Star Wars show. And I'm like, you know, at that point, you know, what am I complaining about? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's right. like he, the show is 100% catered directly at me. Um, uh, am I going to be like, no, 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 it's not that good. Yeah. Like, come on. It's, it's a, and like the other one had like Bill Burr in it. And it's like, okay, well, I like Bill Burr. That's fine. Is he, know. is he like Bill Burr or is he kind of like j- just trying to act and not really being Bill Burr? He is uh 
basically the way that they make them act in these in this show is like very very calm and like there's the violence is very very there's lots of like violence in it but it's like uh it it almost always is like very very cartoony kind of thing so mm-hmm. he has like four guns or like a bunch of guns and stuff but like doesn't really you know just it's like shooting them at like robots and stuff it's not like you know but like uh i would say that he is like bill burr on like volume or something like that because he, <laughs> okay. he his whole like thing has to be like him kind of being like giving those little quips whatever that you can imagine him saying but like uh you know half of the time number one he's saying it to no one that's there right because it's all cgi and stuff so it's just like him saying it to like you know a, a, someone holding up a sign that shows where the eyes are or something right yeah and then, like, like 20 <laughs> times to get the right take <laughs> yeah yeah and uh but it's always in this very very flat affect so like uh his whole thing obviously is that he gets very high pitched and excited and uh when he's talking so uh uh and very very like rude and in this it's kind of like it it's like an interaction he would have with like a fan after like 10 hours of like uh flights or something you know he's kind of like mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yeah that's uh, yeah, that's very good and, you know just kind of like whatever doing yeah. his thing He's um, not complaining about like <laughs> this space lady. <laughs> so, anyways, but uh, but you know it, it was fun. It's it's fun to like. I don't know. There's a what do you call it? Uh, Werner Herzog, isn't it? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, and like in the last episode of or like the second to last or whatever episode of the um, first season, he has like a speech that he gives, and it's mm-hmm. like. Uh, I don't know. It's like 20, 30 seconds, but it's all like him being like before during the empire, there was order. And now uh, he's like, has anyone, he's like by any metric, you you know, by any metric, people were happier. They had more prosperous lives. Now with these rebels, everyone is fighting and stuff. I don't know. It's just funny to hear him give this kind of like pro imperial speech. And then, yeah, you know, it's he's all like chaos. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. So I don't know. So that's cool. Know, that's uh, so Maybe I'm more of a Star Wars person now. I don't know. Yeah, sounds like it. I'm glad they're using those guys in a, a way that suits them. That's yeah. that's good to hear. I, the thing about Bill Burr, like I, you know, he's in Breaking Bad and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, he he's very like low key in that, and it's yeah. sort of like why did you even sure. cast him? Because yeah. it's like the exact opposite of what you would want him for. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's the same thing here, and uh, I don't know. It reminds me of that Louis C.K. episode where he was like uh, of Louis, where he uh, was working as like a he was getting an acting job, and he worked as like a cop or something in it, and he just kept being like not knowing how to act, whatever. Do you remember that or no? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I think it's, it's kind of like, based on like a real thing because I sure. remember him going on an Opie and Anthony one time, and he was in some episode of a cop show or whatever. I think he was yeah. like a a bad guy in that though yeah but yeah anyways although just you know this is like a fourth chain removed now comment but like uh um oak stand up was good in that show i thought he did a pretty good job so i mean you in, know in uh, the louis show louis show yeah oh he yeah yeah so he, that he's was, the guy yeah. that kind of shows up and it's like louis gets worried he's gonna kill himself or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah that was a good episode yeah. yeah that was good so because he seems like someone that uh would not put up with any like not wanting to go on any set or whatever, unless, you know, unless everything was done the way that like, you know what I mean? I could just see him not wanting to put up with the BS on like Hollywood kind of stuff, whatever of TV shows. But, yeah. uh, 
but anyways, so I was happy to see him in that. Anyways, okay, so we that was a long answer, but yeah, we answered about four different unasked <laughs> questions here. So. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, okay, here we go. How about this one? I- imagine, if you will, when you get to heaven, I believe at least one of you will. It turns out it actually is this place where you just kind of walk around hanging out. Having a great time skateboarding and eating ice cream with Drake and Osama Bin Laden, I also believe you will outlive them. Heaven also has a zoo. My question is, how would your experience at the zoo in heaven compare to a visit at any zoo here on Earth? Um, Did you enjoy... That's actually one thing I didn't... like. Did you have zoos where you grew up and stuff? Like, Is there zoos? Oh, yes. Oh, Oh, yes, there is. And it tells you a lot about zoos. New Delhi zoos are not a pleasant place. Oh, yeah. You kind of, I think when you go to like a, a, a zoo in the United States and probably in a lot of Europe, it seems like such a happy place. All these animals are, you know, they're kind of just living life. They're well fed and taken care of, or at least that's what it seems like. And, uh, you know, you take your kids there, right? It's like a nice place to go visit. Yeah. Going to an Indian zoo is like going to a prison or something. It's there's no uh, veneer of like, oh, what a happy time this this animal is having. It it just you can you immediately see like this is a wild animal that is caged and tossed some food every now and again, and they're just miserable. Like they don't get to have a oh, real man. life. Like yeah. they're they're imprisoned for no crime. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, yeah, that's my opinion of zoos, I guess. Were they cool zoos, though? Like, I mean, not other than the, the oppression. Were they, like, cool animals and stuff? Or the no? weird thing about India, it's like, what is the point of a zoo when you see all those animals just walking down the street? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. monkeys in the trees. There's cows wandering around in the street. There's, you know, like, you just can travel in any direction, like, 10 miles out and you'll see everything that you can see in a zoo anyway. So it's just kind of like, what, what is the zoo doing exactly? Yeah. 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 Did you see elephants ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, saw, cool. I don't know about even at the zoo though. I, but we did see, uh, we went on this class trip once to a mm-hmm. tiger park and oh, yeah. they had like a elephant ride through the jungle. So we okay. rode elephants, took them to a river and then bathed with them. And, uh, one of the, so the thing about elephants, uh, I, I guess they kind of got relaxed and they started just taking dumps in the river mm-hmm. and elephant dumps are huge. They're like these boulders and mm-hmm. they, they're just, they're kind of like bales of hay. Like they're just these huge masses of, of grass basically. Like they took, you know, they, they pooped out this turd and it's a giant turd and it hits the ground and just kind of splits open. And at first you're like, Oh, that's disgusting. But it's just grass. It's just like a big ball of oh, grass yeah, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So, me and my friends were kind of like downstream in the river from these elephants. And so it started, it was, it was like a game of Frogger or whatever. Like these <laughs> little boulders of elephant turds started like flying down the, the river. We had to avoid them and stuff. <laughs> That's cool. That was a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard a few different families uh, tell stories about how uh, zoos now, because uh, everything is, you know, they tried to like figure out ways to be open for COVID. So there's like different zoos or like animal parks and stuff where you can drive through and uh, it's just like a nightmare apparently because it's all bumper to bumper and stuff and just like, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, and you know, what are you really seeing and stuff? And 
character was like, obviously it's for kids and the kids are just after like 20 minutes, just like, this is not, you know, what's, what's the point of why am I in the car kind of thing? But, uh, yeah. And, uh, um, anyways, but yeah, I don't know. I, I really liked zoos when I was younger, but I would reach a certain point pretty quickly when I was there that like the smells would just like, we, for some reason it would always be on like, like, I guess maybe because it was like cheaper that day, maybe, I don't know why, but like. Uh, certain like our school trips and stuff would always be like in like mid-August or something when it was just like boiling hot outside and we'd be wandering around and uh, it, I always remember like the the feelings I associate with the zoo are terrible headaches, stomach aches, um, you know, terrible smells, just wandering. Around. I like actually like really like the animals and stuff, but I just remember the feeling of like after like a few hours of walking around feeling like I was going to die and like, uh, and like, uh, and then, uh, and eating like just trash food. Cause it would be like, you know, you would eat McDonald's there and it would be like that kind of McDonald's where it's like over boiled or something or like over fried or whatever, like just yeah the worst kind of McDonald's. And then like, uh, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I went with, uh, my sister and, uh, um, her kids to, uh, center island or something like that one of the you know one of the like theme park kind of things for kids um like a year or two ago and yeah after about an hour or two i was just like okay that's it i gotta get out of here you know i just gotta go because it was so hot and like uh you know i don't know at a certain point i'm like that's fun but <laughs> you know i don't know i feel like i'm dying or something i gotta get out of here so yeah yeah. yeah, that doesn't anyway. sound fun at all. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's good to be able to like do the, the first part and then just like, you know, basically I, I, a lot of the times when I do stuff, I have to like basically feel like I'm in a life capsule coming home or like a, you know, like a space capsule like ejected home that I just have to like, you know, uh, wait to get home, like kind of thing. Like, you know, I feel like I'm in stasis or something and uh, not feeling great. And, uh, anyway, so that, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm pretty sure in the next few years I'll want to go to a zoo with my niece and nephew and stuff once they're, once they're reopened and stuff, but I'm just, yeah, I'm going to have to, that's one of the things about getting older is you have to kind of just, uh, you know, you get, you get the whole, all the equipment ready now kind of thing. Mm -hmm. like that, back then I would have just showed up or something, but now I'm going to have to like get all the bottles of water and all the, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, there was a, you know, just to kind of contrast my Delhi zoo experience, uh, there was one place and uh, I think it was called Fossil Rim. It's like a sanctuary uh, park in Texas that we mm -hmm. went to. I think we went there a couple times actually. And that was really cool because it's, uh, the animals weren't like caged up, you know, they had, it, it was uh, kind of simultaneously like, yeah, you could go visit there and like see the animals and stuff, but you would drive through their habitats. And so they had like a, a full, you know, like a lot of range to like live like a good life, you know, like they would have like a, I don't know, like each animal would have like the area that it needs to like be happy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, I believe like the, the place does a lot of 
Like I think they were protecting certain endangered species. I think there was a certain kind of wolf that was there that they were helping to kind of keep alive and stuff. And they were doing studies on the animals to help them out. So it was like this kind of like simultaneously doing a good thing for wildlife while also providing you with that kind of like fun experience of like going to see all these animals you wouldn't otherwise see. And it's I think it's even better than a zoo because you're not just looking at it in this like cage. You're, you're, you're seeing it in um, – like a, a situation that would more represent like what they would be like out in the wild, the way they should be living, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought that was really cool. And so just to kind of bring it back to the question of like, how would a zoo in heaven compare to a zoo on earth? I think it would be more like that. Like I, I wouldn't think of it so much as like being a zoo. It would just be like, you can go and visit animals in their habitat and they would just kind of chill with you and be happy to see you kind of a thing. Yeah. Do you think that, uh, heaven has to be an actual like do you think things would be like spontaneously generated or do you think that like it would just be like another planet or something in this in this scenario i i tend to think things are more the first way uh, yeah. based on certain hadith and stuff that talk about like there's one really weird hadith that talks about like people's images like the way they look they, they would just kind of change if they wanted them to be like, if they wanted to be beautiful or something, it, they would just like kind of be that, you know, like it, it would just kind of like morph. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think about heaven as being the, like similar to this reality where it's like very physically stable. You know what I mean? Like I, I think things are kind of, it's almost more dreamlike, like where things kind of have this different logic to it and things aren't like uh, the laws of physics as we know them don't really work the same way. Sure. So, yeah, like I think you could just kind of zip to a place and like hang out with lions or something and they would be chill lions, you know, like they and then you can go over and see fly with birds or something. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. do whatever you wanted to. So that would be really cool. Got me, got me all hyped up for heaven now. Wow. Uh, what do you think? Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about this at all. I don't know. I, uh, like, I mean, other than the, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I always think of like, uh, in terms of some sort of educative process or something, like sort of learning. So I never think of like, uh, like the actual physical experience or like, you know, like the, you know, experience of it kind of thing. Um, so I guess, yeah, I guess I would say that like, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the idea really of like being able to just zip everywhere or whatever. I don't know. Like I don't like oh, the really? idea of like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really like the idea of like, uh, the flux thing. Cause that makes it much more dreamlike and kind of, uh, I like the idea of like embodiment or whatever, like, a, or continu- continuation kind of like mm. a fixed point of reference or something and uh uh if i think about it too much i that's when i have a lot of panic attacks is that depersonalization kind of stuff of like feeling like you're not rooted in a self or something or whatever so uh, uh. i don't like that i don't like that i i feel like uh now i think it might be different if you're talking about like uh heaven or something because that's like uh certain fundamental questions are answered at that point you know Right. I think, and uh, it's like, it's almost like being tethered, tethered. Um, so that might be different, but uh, 
Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I like the idea, though, as you said, of, like, uh, being able to see animals in their environment. Like, it wouldn't necessarily be some, like, if you've ever listened to David Cross, he does this, uh, he has that one epi- uh, one CD or whatever where he talks about, like, uh, um, he reads, like, what heaven is going to be like. Um, he reads from, like, a Baptist newspaper or something. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just, like, the streets will be paved with gold or whatever. You know, like, really, really detailed kind of stuff. And he, he thinks it's, like, obviously really stupid. But, like, uh, I uh, I find that strange, like, that kind of thinking. Like, getting too detailed. Like, they, they used to do yeah. that a lot in, like, the last 20 years with, like, jihadi memoirs and stuff. They would always, or, like, notes and stuff they found remember like they would just mm-hmm. constantly like bring that up and it always felt like it's not like that it's bad to me it just feels like strange like uh i don't know almost like presumptuous or something you know like uh like that you're like you get to decide kind of thing and not right someone else, you know so yeah in know. islam there are some like i think even in the quran it does talk about certain things in that really specific way but i i like you i can't really relate to that kind of very simplistic kind of literalism of oh the the you know there's columns of of pearl or whatever like i don't care about that <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah yeah that doesn't yeah, yeah. matter i can go to a bank and see that you know yeah yeah, so, yeah yeah that that doesn't really uh do it for me or kind of mean anything to me but you know when you think about who that was told to it kind of makes uh, you know, it, it, there's different things that are supposed to appeal to different people. And, that, and that's something I was going to say too. Like, think about heaven. You know, you were saying you don't really like this idea of like things being in flux and all that kind of stuff. Well, the thing about heaven is it's going to be great for everybody who's there. So, it's, you know, nothing to worry about. Like, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever you're kind of like, oh, I hope it's not too much that way or too much that way. It's not going to be, right? It's going to be just right. So, okay, we'll see. But I don't know. yeah, I also don't think about this kind of stuff too much either, to be honest. It, yeah. it comes up more on this podcast than I ever think about it on my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's move on here. All right, let, let's try this one out. Uh, as a woman, I feel compelled to say that I have had sex with a famous podcast personality, and he has a tiny dick. But would that would that be just plain immoral and wrong? I um, mean, why do? You don't have to talk about that, whether, you know, you don't have to talk about the tiny dick thing. You don't have to talk about, you know, it's your private life. I don't, I don't know why people are compelled to say this. So, uh, it's, it's a woman. Did you say the first part that it's a woman that said, well, yeah, I'm not going to go there, but yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Yes. But I'll, I'll speak in generalities. I don't, I think in general people should keep things to their, (laughs) to themselves. Okay. But so, I mean, just, uh, but like, uh, so I, I just just as like a basic thing uh if it, if it's a woman she means telling well i, I mean if it's a woman or a man but like she means uh telling the public she's probably already told like 50 people <laughs> you know i don't buy right. this idea that like uh this is a secret i'm glad you're I, you're you're saying this instead of me <laughs> no, no no but this has been in hundreds of group chats already probably so, i would i would assume that's probably correct yeah yeah, and uh, like even stuff that's like work Zoom call group chat or something, like just <laughs> just anything that they can be like, oh, by the way, so right? I'm not, yeah, I I'm guessing that that's the the situation, and um, uh, 
so yeah, it's just a matter of uh, uh, making it public, which uh, I say go for it. So yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I I'm not in favor of that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I I think people should uh, just you know why why does it it's it's a private thing. Keep it private, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't care. The the tiny dick thing doesn't have anything to do with it for sure. me. It's just like your sex life is your private life. I don't want to hear yeah. about it. Sure. Okay. How about this one? Let me know what you think of this bit. Coming to God because you believe he gave Republicans the coronavirus. Yeah. I saw. Have you seen, I guess it's gotten pretty wacky with some of the stuff about, you know, like preachers saying stuff like Christians can't get it. Oh, you know, really? We're, yeah, it's starting to get into the blame game kind of stuff where it's like, if you died, then it was somehow your fault. And I mean, Trump is 100% believes that now, I mean, personally, but like. Well, he, proof uh, is in the pudding. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I Yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of those weird things where it, we're getting into the point where, yeah, people are, uh, I don't know. Remember um, when black people couldn't get it? That was the whole thing. Oh, right, that they were lower death totals or something like that? Yeah, like, that, yeah it was yeah. like there wasn't any outbreaks in Africa yet, so it was a big oh, right, right. thing of like oh, really? their powerful yeah. genetics is killing yeah. off the virus or something. It's the opposite thing now, I think, in terms of memes where people are focusing on the idea that like it's people stuck at work that are the ones getting sick, which I don't even know if that's – like it is true in terms of like if you look at the outbreaks in different neighborhoods and stuff in Canada, it it does pattern with people that are in like low income housing and stuff, or like uh, now at this point, like in the second wave, mm-hmm. um, and uh, or so a lot of it is like racialized or whatever they say, um, and uh, so I get that, I I, I get that, but uh, in the states, like you know, the people that are going to these like Trump rallies or are just like it's like they don't care at all, whatever. I don't, I don't think that that's like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the idea that like somehow it's, uh, it's either people are getting it because they're careless now or people are getting it because they're forced to be at work, whatever. It's just like, you know, it's just a pandemic. I don't know. Like trying to, uh, I don't know. It starts to getting like, you know what I mean? Like really, really, uh, everyone wants it to be the simplest narrative they can think of kind of thing, you know, a lot of the time. So, right. Yeah. And it's always the, my politics are correct once again. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, I don't know. I'm getting really tired of this. I, I like the, uh, I like not having to do stuff. That's like a positive to me, but like, uh, I really don't like the whole, uh, discourse around it kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm kind of tired of it. I don't know. You know, like all the people being like, uh, trying to get quick wins off this kind of stuff. I don't know. Oh, I love yeah. that stuff. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. I love discourse. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I just, I just check out of it, you know? It yeah. doesn't need me and I don't need it. So I just go our separate ways. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, I was thinking the other day, this is sort of related, I guess. Well, since we've kind of been going on tangents here, I'll take the liberty. Uh, I was thinking of a, this is a kind of like a funny idea of someone who wants to be like uh, anti-racist. So they're developing a form of sickle cell that affects all people, like not just people of African descent. Yeah. So they're like weaponizing <laughs> sickle cells so that white people can get it basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, you know, there's some lab in like Botswana or something that's working on this. <laughs> yeah. That's what, uh, 
once we get our Patreon up high enough, it'll be uh, funding that kind of research, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll adopt an African genetic, uh, whatever, yeah. molecular scientist or whatever yeah. there. Yeah. Make it so that, uh, yeah, COVID deaths uh, and stuff like that, every, every type of illness will be uh, equal across the board, uh, including malarial deaths. So we'll mm-hmm. get those up so that... Uh, we get an equal number of malarial deaths in Canada. Yeah. What's the one that Ashkenazis get? Oh, Kreutzfeld, whatever, or something. Yeah. All those inbred things. <laughs> we're going to universalize that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It's only fair, folks. Sure. All right. Let's end it there. I think uh, I think we've gone on long enough blathering for these poor people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like a second episode of You Can't Win Every Week, you can subscribe to our Patreon for $5 and you will get that, as well as access to our Discord where you can talk to us and our lovely community. If you'd like to send in an anonymous question, you can go to the Twitter podcast account at uh, You Can't Win Pod and you'll find the link to the Curious Cat pinned and you can send in your questions there. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. And just quickly, I uh, was on, as we mentioned at the start, the Firing Line 2 pod uh, with our uh, former guest, Andy. And uh, we had a nice chat about mental health and stuff. And you guys can check that out, too, on their Twitter. Yeah, go check it out, guys. All right. Bye-bye.